The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. But we're going to start off with the budget hangover. It's the day after. And uh, so now we basically pour through and uh, try to figure out what the numbers uh, really mean. Uh, Finance Minister Travis Taves was on the Rob Breckenridge show this morning for about half an hour on 630 Chad. So we're going to have NDP finance critic Shannon Phillips on for this half hour. And I'd love to see your messages. If you have anything you want to chime in on, I'll pass them along. Uh, text 780-496-0063. Shannon Phillips, joining me live today. Thank you so much for taking the time on Budget Hangover Day. How is yours? Uh, well, thank you for having me, uh, uh, Daryl. Uh, uh, no hangovers over here, although uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, deep concern for the, uh, the future, for the future of the province, for the economy, and jobs. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, certainly not uh, you know not really uh, uh, something to toast to uh, in this budget. Put it that way. Well, I, I did send out a tweet today because I was just curious to see what kind of reaction there would be. And I basically said, you know, with any budget from any party, it doesn't really matter. It's always a lightning rod, and you know, it rarely gets widespread applause it almost exclusively gets criticism from people saying you should have done something better or something different or whatever and i really haven't heard and uh, a lot of positives on this one i'm mostly hearing a criticism so uh, i'm I'm just kind of curious is there anything that was in that budget that you said "Eh, they got it right there's your softball question to start things off You know, I I think uh, it is good uh, that they are going to move uh, Ottawa's money on the Jobs Now program. Uh, It was supposed to move last year. Uh, It is the one uh, large jobs uh, investment. It is uh, the majority of of the cash, the vast majority of the cash is coming from Ottawa. Um, And uh, uh, they didn't spend it last year when we needed it the most, so they have plans to spend most of it next year. Good. Uh, At least uh, they're going to be, you know, investing in jobs. Um, there's a you know there's there's a couple of interesting capital projects uh, uh, in here, but uh, we do see some fairly disappointing uh, uh, things as well around the Calgary Cancer Center, the South Edmonton Hospital, um, and uh, uh, you know around this issue of of no more taxes. Uh, well, it is true that uh, uh, there's no specific. Uh, percentage point increases. We see uh, 100 million more in personal income tax being uh, uh, paid by people, uh, by you and me and and uh, everyone else, because our, our our brackets aren't changing with inflation. This is the third mm-hmm. year that that'll be the case. So yeah, the old bracket um, creep, as we've uh, we heard, it, heard uh, that it called, is so. back, right? Uh, and uh, you know, for a total of 600 million dollars in new taxes, we're going to be paying. Um, and, and you know, that's to say nothing of the uh, increased property taxes and other fees. So. Um, the uh, the stress on people's individual budgets uh, is not uh, uh, explicitly stated yeah. in the budget. Still going to happen. You know, it was I've sort of laughed to myself a little bit as we were coming up to budget because I heard from the UCP and the NDP, and both were saying the same thing. Let me just explain that before you get too far on me here. But yeah. both had said health care had to be a priority, and helping business and, and protect jobs and protect the economy also had to be a priority. But clearly, you would be coming from it, uh, at it from entirely different directions. Uh, uh, specifically, health care first. Where, why don't you start with that, with what an NDP government would plan? to do because we might as well hear what you're planning to do as opposed to just critiquing what they are doing. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, on, on healthcare, just as in education or post-secondary or any of these things, you know, stable, predictable, uh, uh, you know, it increases where we can see that the, that the system is able to absorb uh, uh, population and inflation growth, particularly coming out of this pandemic, right? In, in particular on healthcare, we've had lots of surgery backlogs, lots of services that, you know, older people have been waiting for. Uh, you know, I, I know there's people in my own life who have had to wait, you know, like a year, year and a half for surgery. So we need to clear a lot of that up, right? And to some make of sure that funding addition was to clear up that backlog, right? Some of that, the, the extra, uh, the funding that was put in was to try and clear up some of those backlogs. Yeah, but th- these guys are not uh, and have not made sure that the healthcare system just in a very, you know, it's, it's, it's such a boring thing to say, well, why don't we just make sure that it grows in a stable, predictable way that tracks with inflation and population growth. Just that. Um, you, you know, that's to say nothing of, of being able to fund, you know, new treatments or massive, you know, shocks to the healthcare system like the pandemic's given us. Just, just, and that is the piece that we would be looking for first in any of our public services, right? This is not some, you know, like extravaganza of public spending. It's just basic governance. Is that, that's what we did was population plus inflation, uh, and uh, and actually got a hold of healthcare spending uh, from the uh, situation that we had uh, inherited from the PCs before us. So, you know, on the what we would do, uh, Mm. that's number one. Okay. You know, what's funny is I was uh, also just uh, putting that question to you. I had a texter uh, also come in and wanted to know what specifically the NDP would do differently uh, for job creation and controlling sure. the debt. So, uh, you know, yeah. we heard sort of some of what their uh, the, uh, the UCP plan was. What would you do? I think what we've seen with uh, the UCP has done is they have, uh, you know, we have billions of dollars in deficit, right? These guys are spending money. It's just not really on the priorities that people have told us about. You know, uh, uh, we've gone out and done consultation. I've heard from my constituents. We all have, you know, people want, uh, in particular, supports to small business, a job creation and diversification plan, uh, and, of course, that stable, predictable uh, piece around health care. Because we've, we've all just learned over the last year that if you don't have a properly functioning healthcare system, you probably don't have an economy either. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, on the diversification piece, this is a group of people that canceled a lot of diversification programs. They're not just straight money out the door. They're sometimes taxation instruments, other regulatory pieces that you can do to make that investor confidence that the private sector is willing to come here and place capital in a long-term way, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in uh, uh, agriculture food, uh, uh, upgrade, uh, upgrading and refining uh, to our existing oil and gas resources, our our tech sector, clean technology, uh, uh, renewables, whatever the case may be, research and, and development. So they, they pulled the rug out from under all of those programs. They have very partially restored some of them. But, you know, in all of this back and forth, what you have is a private sector who does not quite know what to expect in terms of their political risk for some of these uh, uh, newer investments. And that's the piece that would really create jobs and create certainty and create optimism so people don't lose this, leave this problem. NDP finance critic Shannon Phillips is joining us and I uh, wanted to have you on because also in the morning on the Rob Breckenridge show, we did have the finance minister Travis Taves on uh, this morning. He was asked specifically about, you know, the deficit being over $18 billion about, uh, you know, clearly the government had to spend in this pandemic. Like any government is already running a large deficit and to try to deal with this, with this crisis. But the finance minister was also asked about any plan for reaching a balanced budget. I'll let you listen to what he had to say on that and then we'll chat about it uh, in a moment. So just uh, take a listen. 
I wish I did to provide one I believe would be disingenuous at this point given given the lack of economic clarity uh, that's out there but uh, we've identified three fiscal anchors uh, that will really guide and inform our decisions uh, during this time um, when we don't have a definitive path to balance and those fiscal anchors are, are number one we're going to keep our net debt to GDP ratio below 30 percent that will ensure that we maintain a reasonably strong balance sheet which is critical for fiscal recovery number two we will bring our costs of delivering government services in line on a per capita basis with those of other provinces uh, critically important to put this province on a sustainable fiscal trajectory and the third fiscal anchor is that when we uh, are past the pandemic and have economic clarity we will lay out a path and timeline to balance uh, clearly, the, you know it's it's not in in the sights right now. Uh, but do you? I don't think you could even get to a balanced budget at this point, could you? Uh, unless uh, until we get through COVID and see where we're at. And that is the situation for uh, provinces, some national jurisdiction, national governments across uh, the industrialized world. That piece uh, uh, does not concern me so much, given the the, the continued strength of Alberta's balance sheet. Uh, uh, you know, from the PC, NDP, and uh, uh, even now, like we are now starting to get into a place where uh, that first fiscal anchor that he talks about uh, may be a challenge. But I still think uh, they, they might be okay on that one. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of things here. First of all, if you're going to set down fiscal anchors, the first thing to do is then not fritter away billions on a casino bet on a Trump White House, right? We're looking at, at uh, over $1.5 billion uh, wasted on that. This budget document doesn't actually tell us how much more we're going to be on the hook for. This is billions of dollars uh, that uh, they have they, they gambled. And, uh, and it was a very silly gamble. It did not create a single job. It did not uh, do anything for our reputation either. Um, uh, you know, and then there's, of course, the multi-billion dollar giveaway to already profitable, very large corporations that uh, uh, did not create a single job even before the pandemic. We saw uh, uh, companies take uh, those, that large gift of uh, a corporate tax giveaway, uh, invest it elsewhere. Um, and uh, and lay people off here, right? 2,000 layoffs with the Husky Sonovas mer- uh, merger in, in Calgary uh, alone, right? Uh, um, yeah. and, and so, you know, that, it, like, it, it seems to me that, you know, fiscal anchors are nice and it makes the, you know, the finance minister sound like he's being very disciplined and very responsible. But the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, these guys have all kinds of anchors that they're going to drop uh, down for their, their help for small business, their help for ordinary people, the, the, the help for people who work in long-term care or the other you know, really tough work that people have been doing for the last year. They've nickel and dimed people on those things, but they've had absolutely no anchors. They've been completely driftless and okay. writing checks all over the place for all kinds of other things that are not. You're getting on, you're getting on a roll here. <laughs> okay, let's rein it back for just two seconds while we take a quick break. We're going to continue on with uh, NDP finance critic Shannon Phillips when we return here on 6:30 Chat Afternoons. Daryl McIntyre filling in on 6.30 Chet Afternoons for Jay Lynn and I. Jay Lynn will be back on Monday. Our guest uh, this afternoon, Shannon Phillips, who is the uh, finance critic for the NDP. As I mentioned, the finance minister, Travis Taves, was on earlier this morning on the Rob Breckenridge show for about a half an hour. So we thought it was fair to uh, give uh, give an ear to the to the other side a little bit. You know what? Uh, thanks for being with me and sticking around for, for the half hour. Uh, there was uh, one of the initial things that your leader, Rachel Notley, mentioned uh, yesterday in reaction to the budget was talking about public sector and potential job cuts and and, and grabbing that number of 15,000 individuals being fired. 
Now, that, that some of the plans would end up being attrition or reducing some of the size of the public sector. So, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go down that that's that sort of political uh, uh, messaging, I guess, in, in one way. But uh, a lot of people think that it's unfair for public sector workers to be able to have this guaranteed wage or perhaps getting getting increases and, and, and the private sector suffers and loses income and loses jobs. It's like one won the lottery and the other one didn't. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know, Daryl, if I would say that, uh, you know, a nurse on an ICU ward uh, or someone working in long-term care, in public long-term care right now, uh, you know, won any kind of lottery. Uh, uh, these folks have been uh, digging in hard for the last year uh, to keep us safe. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's what public sector workers are. You know, it's not this, like, sort of faceless bureaucrat. It's it's folks delivering services. It's, it's you know, it's social workers and children's services. It's uh, uh, it, it's uh, teaching assistance. We know who they are. I get it. Yeah. They do good so, work, okay, but, but there are people in the private yeah, sector sure, who do good work that. as well. So. Absolutely. So here's the thing, right? This is why that jobs piece is so important and why uh, uh, I've been really pleased to be, you know, kind of uh, uh, pitching in on the propositional part about how do we diversify the economy? How do we grow the private sector uh, in, uh, in Alberta? There's no question that we need to expand and broaden uh, the economy. That's what we're talking about when we talk about diversification. We're, we're talking about more wealth and prosperity throughout the private sector so we have different kinds of economic activity happening and we can better weather those commodity price turn, uh, downturns right um, it, it, like so uh, so there's two things here right there's there's um, there, there's a lack of a plan to make sure that we are pushing that private sector activity uh, in any real way coming out of this budget. And then there's turning around and saying, okay, you know, there's thousands of, of healthcare, education, uh, you know, housing kinds of jobs on the line here uh, that uh, they, and, you know, by the way, also police uh, and Crown prosecutors and others who also took a big hit in this budget. Um, you know, that, that is just a, a, a sort of a false in a way to pit Albertans against one, uh, one another when we just learned that, uh, it, you know, we're all supposed to be in it together. And I, for one, uh, understand, and I think most Albertans understand, that, you know, strong public services, you know, things that are there when we need them, uh, go together with being able to grow the economy. The private sector relies on those services. I, I just I just, I hear the frustration for businesses who are who are suffering and say that you know maybe the pain should be be shared a little bit. It, it, do you recognize that that it would oh, be? Yeah. It, we can look to diversify down the road and try to improve things. That's great. Absolutely, we should. But in the meantime, it's just not fair. Well, I think what's not fair is that we haven't had uh, anything approaching a thoughtful. Uh, 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 assistance for business, uh, certainly since the, the pandemic started. This is a government that took a full business quarter to introduce commercial rent assistance. We were debating that bill in July, where other jurisdictions had already moved their commercial rent assistance for small business. That's just one thing. Uh, there have been a number of other ways in which Alberta's assistance to small business, small, medium-sized firms trying to get through the pandemic has 
paled in comparison to, for example, uh, uh, British Columbia or elsewhere. Um, and uh, I, so, you know, that piece is, is a really important piece, too. Yes, we are hurting. Is the question, you know, are you going to make other people hurt more? I don't think anyone really wants to hurt. I, I didn't get into this business to do that, and I, and I, I don't think anybody elected me to do that, and uh, uh, or, or even the UCP, for that matter. Like, let's make sure we've got the type of society that can that can uh, grapple with the challenges as they have been given to us because they are dire, and we need to be able to meet that moment. Yep, I hear it. just the one other one more text that just comes over, and because and I'm not just pulling this out of out of thin air. I hear this on a regular basis when I talk to people. Stuff like public workers get raises, and 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 others are not, and they're just not suffering. So uh, there's at some point we're going to have to be able to address that frustration among Albertans, and it's not just a clearly there's going to be a fight coming down the road. Uh, the budget document, Jason Kenny, have both indicated that there's going to be uh, a bit of a scrap over this in the near future. Absolutely. You know, I hear the frustration when people look at, at stagnating paychecks, for example, or when they, you know, they're looking at, at personal income tax increases that, again, were, were contained in the uh, uh, in this conservative budget. This is the third one uh, uh, that they're in. It's a sneaky way of doing it, but it is still a tax increase. Lots of property tax increases. So, you know, there's lots of, you know, and then there's child care fees and there's school fees and there's tuition and there's other uh, uh, licenses and fees all gone up. Right. Um, so I, I absolutely I, I hear that. And, and there, there's, you know, I re- represent a very working class riding as well in southern Alberta. And uh, I, I hear that from from folks as well. So and there is a place for government to make sure that they've got ordinary people's backs. The way to do that is to make sure that the budget drives that the support for business, the support for frontline workers, uh, and uh, and making sure that we keep the economy whole through this, this really, really tough time so that we can get out the other side. One more issue I want to get to before we uh, run out of time here, and that's on post-secondary education. Uh, some of the questions that were that were posed to uh, to the finance minister were about, uh, you know, reducing funding. Does that not at, run the risk of, of you know having a, a a less educated population or less opportunities for people to try and grow that economy? He basically still believes that uh, that it's just way too top-heavy that we're spending way too much per capita. Uh, your call on that. You know, it's not just that students are going to be paying more in fees. It is not just that, you know, we're going to have maintenance workers and other people, not just, you know, professors, uh, losing their jobs at the post-secondary institutions. It is not just that folks might not be able to get that trade certification or other training that they need. And it is not just that we won't have some of the research and development and innovation happening that attracts private sector activity and investment. It's not just that. Post-secondary institutions, I represent two of them, Um, uh, in a small city of 100,000, they are a massive economic driver. There's procurement, there's contracting, there's all sorts of ways, and then there's just the the plain uh, uh, consumption that happens uh, for people who work there, right, Uh, uh, that sustains our small business and sustains our housing market uh, and sustains a number of different, you know, construction and operations and maintenance types of jobs uh, within the city of Lethbridge. a lot of that economic activity is now at risk. These are very large cuts uh, to post-secondary institutions. And uh, uh, in the multi-million dollars uh, for some institutions and in some of the smaller cities, too, we're seeing now uh, Grand Prairie and Red Deer, uh, what's actually shaking out of those colleges. These are small 
cities, just like the one that I represent. The multiplier effects are huge. These are places that are hurting from the oil and gas downturn, right? Red Deer and Grand Prairie specifically. Yeah. So it is not without consequence, these uh, these kinds. And it's not just for, you know, tall, four-headed professors. Uh, there's an all-chain <laughs> of activity that uh, uh, is yeah. going to, uh, uh, you know, be compromised with these decisions. Okay. Okay. Nearing the bottom of the hour. Uh, Shannon Phillips, finance critic with the NDP. Thank you very much. Uh, Have a good weekend. Appreciate your time today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Bye-bye.